Hello, and welcome to Leading Ladies of Montana Real Estate, a show about buying and selling homes in Montana and the power realtors and power lenders that make that happen. We are your hosts, Colleen Wood. And I'm Alicia Retz. Each week, we will discuss the housing market, how to navigate it, and what questions you need to be asking yourself along the way. But that's not all. We will also dive into how to navigate the ins and outs of being leaders in business and how to build a robust and dynamic team within that business and navigating the world as a career-driven professional, all while raising a family. Join us as we share our highs and lows in real estate, business ownership, and motherhood. Welcome. Hey, girl. How are you today? I'm really good. Really good. I've been on the the sales line. I've been talking to a lot of people on the phone and selling lots of loans. It's so hard to do sales and not feel like a cheese ball, used car salesman. (laughs) Although we need need those used car salesmen, so don't feel bad. But it it is a hard thing to navigate, to sell yourself, let them know your worth and not sound like you're faking it. You know, it it is hard. A lot of people really struggle with like, they don't want to be a salesperson. You know, we've all had those telemarketers are like, oh, please, God, don't call I me. I like, just tell like, me what you want to tell me. Don't give me the whole spiel. Cause, yeah, like, and, I don't have time for you, yes. blah, blah, blah. God bless them. I mean, those people are tough because they hear know. every single response. And, you know, they're cold calling. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are like, I would like to be able to be successful in sales, but I don't want a cold call. So if you go to any of the conventions, like, oh, cold calling, door knocking, it doesn't work anymore. It's so old school. No, it's not. No, it's not. It has only, that's what got me to my life level is cold calling. Do you know people, the people that are saying that are the people that aren't doing as well as you are? Right. Those are the people I that are teaching because they up. can't sell. Yeah. <laughs> I've only been hung up on once. Yeah. Only once has someone been like, why are you calling me? How dare yeah. you call me? Once. But And you lived. Yeah, exactly. And You're also okay. I was also like, what about Ed? But then I picked <laughs> up the phone and called. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those old school ways of just picking up the phone, asking how you can help them. And especially if you're calling for sale by owners or expireds, they wanted something from you. Sure. They wanted to sell their home and making it about them, asking what their previous experience was like calling, getting right. on the phone and just, again, making it all about them. How many uh, showings did you have? Yeah. Did you get any offers? What worked? What didn't work? And then one thing that's huge and this is not all about cold calling, it's about sales in general, but game changer for me from cold calls, I used to do the cheesy thing. Hey, I have a buyer. Can I show them? And then try to flip the switch once I was there. Oh, bait and switch. I hated it. <laughs> I yeah, because you're lying. I was lying. You're lying. And, I, and then half the time I couldn't it's do it anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Half the time I couldn't do it anyway. I was like, well, now I'm lying and I don't actually have a buyer. So I changed that a while ago. And I'm like, hey, uh, have you considered listing? Right. Do you have 15 minutes to sit down and chat? Be authentic. Yes. And that one has been read way better because they've already been sold the other way five other times by other agents that said they have a buyer that don't, actually don't. And they've been thinking about listing. And of course so, they have. Yeah. Everybody in this market's thought about exactly. listing. And so like, let's just sit down and chat. <laughs> and that has been... So then also they knew the expectations of what we were going to for the meeting. Sure. So yeah, some of the old school stuff works. And you know, here's the thing. If you truly believe in your product and that what you're trying to do is really helping somebody, it's actually worse that you don't offer it to more people. I agree. Like you should feel worse about not calling and offering to help people when you have something of value to give them. Like you should feel like an asshole for not making your cold calls today. Yes. Because I like, I know that what we provide is of huge value that improves people's lives, that gives people a home, a home that they can raise their family in, a home that they can make memories in, that or like, selling, they can feel yeah, safe. Like, like they can get we out can of give debt them value. in a way they can never get out of debt. 
yeah. before. Like we get them value. Yes. So that when I tell my, you know, my team or I'm doing cold calls or even when I'm calling realtors, like I'm calling cold calling realtors that, you know, they're busy, but I know that what I have to offer can help them. It can save them. If I call a realtor and, I, and I'm able to say, hey, if working with my team could save you like three to four hours a week because you're not chasing my team in order to get updates on your file, like what could you do with that 20 hours? Like what could you do with that in order to like help improve your business or maybe you just want to go play golf or whatever. And sitting down with lenders is actually really important. It's actually really important because you'll have a relationship with them. If you have just a quick little question, you can ask them that and it'll make you look more intelligent for your buyers and sellers. And they're also, they're going to get the deals better for you. They truly will. Like if you have some sort of relationship, everyone's human. You're going to be like, oh, it's just a piece of paper, but it's not. It's like, oh, your deals. Yeah, exactly. I love your deals. And my team loves your deals because they love working with you. And so when you see that, I know you're going to just have that much more oomph to get it done because there's a relationship there. So sit down with lenders and do have those conversations. So this is a funny question. This is kind of a little off topic, but when you guys get a deal, what do you do? For on the buy side or list like side? Any of it. When you get okay. when you get a yes, what do you do in your office? Oh, so if I get a list, let's say for a listing appointment, I will be there within 30 minutes. But what do you do in your office to celebrate? Oh, we have a bell we ring. You have a bell? We have a bell. What? We get have out a of bell. here. So anytime we're I have under a bell. Con- you do? I, we have a bell. Oh, so anytime we're under contract, anytime we close, I'm trying to instigate anytime we get past an inspection notice because that's yeah. even worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But right now when we're under contract. We ring a bell. Oh my gosh. We ring a bell. We all have these little hokey cowbells. And when we get a yes, oh. we ring a bell. So if this is for the client. When he moved out, this is this big old massive bell. Oh my gosh. We ring it. Or we had a stick to, <laughs> to hit it. Yep, yep, yep. Oh we my also, gosh. Um, do a few butt spankings, but that's another. <laughs> no butt spankings yeah, happening no. at my office yet. Um, yet. But we we do we do ring a bell. That's so, so funny. Good, good, good. I love that. So when you are calling somebody, I know you've only had one person hang up on you, but what do you do when they tell you no? So, you know, I just say, absolutely, I'll just keep you in my calendar. Maybe I'll call you in a few months. It kind of depends on the situation, how hard they are. I also don't really take a no. Right, that's like, my answer. I don't really take a no. I'm like, okay, well, I'll see where you are in a year from now or two years from now, I put them in the, I put them in the calendar, right? No matter how far out they are. And I call them right. And they are shocked. Yeah. I say, I'll call you in six months. And I call them s- in six months in to the six day months to the day. Cause you put it on your calendar. Exactly. And you live and I, by your calendar. I write it in there mm-hmm. and I follow it. And yeah. So basically, even if it's a hard no, it's like, no, I'm just not interested. I'm like, okay, well I'll touch base with you sometime in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Still going to call you. Yep. I feel like for us and what I tell my team is it's like, don't lose. Don't lose. You know, no is not really an answer. I mean, I always say no is not an answer, mostly pertaining to like underwriting. Like, I don't ever want to tell somebody no. I'm going to figure out a way for them to be able to get what they want, even if it means that I have to give them a roadmap and they have to come back in six months. You know, we're going to close for them at some point. We're going to get a yes. I agree. Yeah. Like at some point, like no today does not mean a hard no forever and ever. Thank you. I'm so sick of, I can't tell you how many buyers I've had where they're like, they come back from meeting a lender and like, I just can't buy. Guess I'm out. You're not out forever. Come on. No. Yeah. You six months, maybe. Yeah, yeah maybe after six months. months. Yeah. That's nothing in the scheme of things. They will right. help you get through the next level. And every good broker will tell you not to take out new buyers immediately without pre-approval. No, I, for me, just make the connection. Make the Even connection. Even if it's once or twice them. and then figure out, but just make that connection. Let them know you're going to be working for them when they're ready. Build trust. Yes. And then yeah. the steps they need to do to be ready. Yeah. Build trust. And, you know, a good lender should not just be telling people no. A good lender should be helping people create a roadmap. Even if they have crap credit, even if they have no money, even if they have whatever it is, they have a bankruptcy or something. Well, if you know when they're, you know, how long it's when their bankruptcy was dissolved, put that date when they're going to yes. make that two year 
year mark and they can go into FHA. Put that date on there for, you know, for three years if you want to go with that product. we're in this for the long haul. We're not doing this just for a month or two to see how it goes. We're in it for right. the long haul. We're in and it. And I want those people to come back to me when they are ready. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So we're always competing for rate constantly. Oh, constantly kinda, competing for rate and would. fee. And it's really, really tough because here's the thing. Like you will always, always find somebody online I that'll give you a every, better rate. Every one of my clients said. Every single one of them. Every single time. But will they be able to close? Will they be able to close? We actually just, we got to ring the bell yesterday because we had locked in a gentleman and in a rate that he was really happy with and we had sent them to underwriting and ordered the appraisal and everything was looking really good. And then we got this rando email that he was talking to an online bank out of Kansas. Oh, and always out of Kansas. Kansas. <laughs> they keep all the random lenders in Kansas. <laughs> yes. So he was talking to this lender and he wanted to know if whether or not we could match that rate or he was going to go with them. And we're like, well, we're what's the origination already, fee? Well, we're already down the road with them. But the quote that they, he kept sending was a refinance quote. Oh. And like it literally said right on there, re, talking about refund of escrow from previous lender. Like it's right there. And he kept sending us this refinance quote. And if we were going to be able to, like it was a super low rate with like no fees plus a lender credit. Like it was a free deal. It was right. free. And you know, I'm not in the business of doing business for free. Like I have people I have to pay. You know, we're in, in the business of employing people and paying bills and, and having a cash positive business. And so I'm not interested in doing it for free, but I really wanted to keep this client. So, I mean, we gave him our best. Like we gave him our best. And you got it done? And we got it done. <gasps> like we wasn't even, it wasn't even as good as the online lender. You know, we just came out with it and said, here's four options for you. He went with the most expensive option with the lowest rate. Totally crazy. Like we didn't even think, pay $10,000. But he oh. really, really wanted this really, really great rate, right? So, they but- that's so stuck in their heads. We, it's so hard uh, to educate so, people the difference between rate and origination fee mm-hmm. and how long that difference will make you'll have yep. to pay. And I tell them that every single time. Yep, yep they'll quote you low. But if you see how long it's going to take you to pay off $15,000 to get 0.1% higher, like yeah. it, it's going to take you years. It's going to take you years and it makes $15 difference in your payment. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes, you know, people will challenge you and try to get you, especially right now, we're just getting, everybody's getting shop, shop, shop. I was going to say, I didn't, I'm yeah. not enviable of that at all. Yeah. It's a little tough, but you know, but we came at it with our most authentic, genuine, like this is the four, these are the, these are your options. This is the very best we can do. You're not going to, we're not going to be able to do it for free. You're going to have to pay for your fees. We're not going to give you lender credit on this. Like these are the rates. This is how much it costs. This is what it does to your payment. And we're going to close you on time. Closing and on time is so important. People don't, again, if you're a first time home buyer, they don't understand yeah. what a big deal that is. It can mess everything up. You could lose a transaction. You could lose thousands on rent. Closing on time is important. So having, again, a local lender that knows what they're doing, right. it makes a big difference. It was funny because he was like, well, I don't really care if I close on time. I'm like, well, your sellers do. <laughs> yep, <laughs> you know, you fall, out something. Of, <laughs> you fall out of contract and then you're SOL. So, you know, it's, uh, you're going to be in trouble. Like you might not care, but they care. Right. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, so rejection, a no, that could have been a potential rejection, but it's like, we just keep coming. We keep coming until there's absolutely right. no milk left to milk and we just keep coming. We so. do hear like not interested or kind of no situations. I am proud of myself with this. I don't hear it. Sure. I really don't. Like even don't if I it. get a no, I don't hear it. Right. I'm like, I'm still involved. I'm still going to be there. I'm still going to send you the emails. I'm still going to stalk you. Yeah, creepy. I'm still going to stalk you a little bit. <laughs> like, what are your kids up to? You guys are so cute. Me again. (laughs) Me again. But I mean, like every single person, no matter what they do, like kids are the number one best salesman out there. Yes. Like, 
Kids should be the ones selling everything because nobody can sell anything like a kid. If a kid wants something, they will work it like nobody's business. Oh my business. goodness. My they kids, will work it and they my win. My kids freaking persuasion. I'm like, no, I'm not giving in. I'm not giving in. No. I'm not giving in. And pretty and soon they, you do. I'm like, you little mother. Pretty oh, soon man. they do. I don't know where you get it from. But every <laughs> single one of us in every single area of business is in sales of some sort. I was going to say that. Every yep. single one of us. No so matter what you it's do. It's not a dirty title. It's not yep. a dirty job. No, I feel like it, it does have a bad ring to it, but it's not. Again, you're selling yourself. You're selling what you can get, what you can do, but you're not trying to win one over on somebody. Right. I think that's where the negative connotation comes from is that we're trying to like get one past you. No, we're just trying to let you know we're the best person for the job and we want the job. So what is your key to being a great salesperson? I think my authenticity, mm-hmm. listening, and really just, like, yeah, my authenticity mm-hmm. is that I will, even with my clients, I'll get to know them a little bit first, but then I do let my personality get out there sure. and I do say quirky things and I do get to know them a lot and right. because I get to spend so much time with them. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what really sets me apart is that I'm really, truly in it. Yeah. You know, I really feel like the key to being a really good salesperson for me is is just simply a numbers game. It's a oh, fact. Yes, let's talk about like this. If you make enough phone calls or you have enough appointments with people, face-to-face appointments, and you follow up enough, eventually you will make more. Like if you follow up more and you make more phone calls, you will close more deals. Absolutely. It's just simply a numbers game. And like when you first start out, there's so many new agents, they got that one buyer and they're like Lenny and the mouse and they just suffocated <laughs> and suddenly it's gone. <laughs> so you have to have lots of mice. So that you don't suffocate all of them. You don't but, suffocate yeah. all the mice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you exactly. Wanna, you do want to have a lot of feelers out there. Yeah. Like you said, it's a numbers game. I think yeah. that's really important to know. You have to give everything to every client, but you can't put all of your reliance on that one client that right. that deal is going to happen. You could get right to the end of closing and for some reason it doesn't happen. Right. So you really have to have a lot of balls up in the air. Right. It's So numbers game, like for every 30 realtors that will actually have a face-to-face meeting with me, generally about five of them will send me a deal. Really? I'm so shocked by that. So it's like, okay, so how quickly can I get through 30 realtors so I can get five more? So do you have two lunches a day? I used to. I used to. (laughs) I I actually, I started changing it because nobody can eat two lunches a day. Yeah. Um, Just your coffee and tea now. Yeah. For me, it's not just about the clients. It's about the realtors because the realtors are the ones that have access to the clients. So I have to be talking to as many realtors as I possibly can in order to get as many referrals as I possibly can. And then, you know, on top of that, we have to make sure that we take really good care of them. Right. Right. So are they going to be a, you know, a referral partner for life or, you know, are they just a one-off deal? How are you with newer realtors, like newer agents? Like, do you have, lack of better term, patience to like help walk Um, people through it? So we have uh, qualified agents. So uh, when we are looking for new agents to add to our list of people that we're, um, I was going to say coercing, but courting, (laughs) courting, not coercing, um, that we're courting, uh, I look for realtors who have had eight buyers side in the previous year. Oh, perfect. So they're qualified agents. Yeah. And then you learn a lot in those first eight. That's a really, really good rule qualified agents. So then I'm not doing all the handholding. You know, I want to work with people that know how to do business. I mean, that's just qualifying your buyers, you know? And then also it's a numbers game as well. If they did eight transactions last year, they're probably going to do more the next year. And if you're getting someone brand, brand new, the chances of them doing even eight deals next year is probably pretty small. So yeah, it's also not worth your time. Right, right. And you know, if, if somebody reaches out, they want to be a part of our group, I certainly won't boot them out. Right. But when I'm looking for somebody to court, that's what I look for. Um, it becomes like a conversion game. It's, it's knowing your conversion rate. Like how many conversations do you have in order to close a deal? And you know, a really good running average kind of nationwide for lenders is they're going to close about 25% of all the leads that they get. And so oh, it's, rough. you know, there's four, yeah, it's pretty rough. So, um, 
Um, there's four weeks in a month. So if you're consistently getting, you know, 30 leads in, in a week, you're going to close about 30 deals a month. You know, for us, our conversion rate is higher than 25%. That's We're fantastic. pretty dang good at converting. So, you know, we, we have a pretty good conversion rate there. But I work with that 25% conversion. So we count so our leads. that's kind of your baseline. Yeah. That's the bare minimum. So we count our leads. Yeah, every single week. So I know pretty good ideas to where we're going to close based on how many how many people are calling. You know, it's so just kind of a number so like, game. It's so I think that just says so much about your personality and mine similar. Let's say you have the twenty five percent, which I know is higher. Yeah. And then that's 75% that's not happening. Right. And you're like, but I don't hear a no. I yeah. love it. I don't so, hear a no. So they exactly. might, yeah. Yeah. I mean. It says so much about the personality. Again, you're focusing mm-hmm. on the positive. We do get a lot of, I don't say negative feedback, but a lot of things that just don't happen that we put energy into. Right. That didn't come to fruition. But it just shows where our, your mindset is and mine as well, where you just keep seeing. Right. Well, and that 75% in this market is just because I can't find a house. Oh my gosh. Don't even get me started. So yeah. I'd say even a year ago. 90% of the offers I wrote came together. Right. If you're an offer, it's 90% chance it's going to come together. Right. I don't know the numbers right now, but we're probably 25%. Right. That's yeah. actually a pretty good number. Right. Considering, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that aren't winning at all. No, I have another guy in my office. He's not on my team, but uh, he's written 30 offers for a few different buyers and zero. Zero. That's yep. a horrible average. Yep. He's Poor newer. Guy. I know. Breaks my heart. Well, and part of that too, and you know, for you guys is making sure that you're writing an offer that's going to be competitive for your buyer, but at the same time, it's going to protect them. So, yes, I mean, a that's a hard fine line. thing right now because mm-hmm. we're getting things, we're writing in no appraisal contingency, no inspection right. contingency. I just did have a buyer walk. We were going to pay the difference between list price right. and purchase price, right. which is a $70,000 difference mm-hmm. on a $500,000 property. So we were right. going to pay the difference, but they wanted us to pay the difference for whatever it appraises for. So yeah off chance it praises for 300, right. we'd have to make that difference. And they decided no. And I 100% agreed with them. I kept saying, we'll just cross that bridge when we come to if it doesn't appraise for at least price. Mm-hmm. And there's such a crazy market out there. Somebody else took that offer. Right. Like they would pay whatever difference it came back at. Right. And you know, you just have to decide. Right. It's, it's not what the market necessarily thinks. I mean, it is what the market thinks about the houses, but but do you agree with it? Yes. And you are still have you to do right. willing to pay? Are you willing to pay it? Because if you, you know, are buying a $500,000 house and you think it's worth 300, you're going to be real unhappy when you buy a $500,000 house (laughs) or $300,000 house for 500. Yeah. I can't tell you when I meet uh, people, homeowners that are just saying, oh, I bought my house for this much money. Now it's worth this much money. And there's something that's so powerful, just even though they're probably never going to sell or buy, but just knowing that you're sitting on some equity, it's a good feeling. So I do think that that would be a hard place to be. It's just sitting in a home where you know it's worth way less than what you paid for it. It would be really, really difficult because you would definitely feel like you were handcuffed. Yes, you're handcuffed. You're handcuffed. And, you know, the one of the best pieces of advice is that, you know, when values of homes in America did go down, you know, we had a lot of things kind of going on at one time. And, you know, there's there's people that are talking about, you know, values of homes tanking again and saying that we're in an inflated market, we're going to have a recession and people are going to be upside down in their houses again. But, you know, there's a lot of different things. This is a different market. We've created a completely different environment that it makes it not the same what we had in 2008, 2009, 2010. It's a different market. And and it's because of the loans that we are writing now have to have what's called an ability to repay. Whereas before, you know, the loans that were being written were, you know, stated income, stated asset. There was no ability to repay being proven that these people could afford the homes that they were in. And then when they something changed and they couldn't afford it, and then you couple that with on top of that, now their house is worth less than what they owe on it. That is a recipe.
recipe for right. disaster. And you can't blame for people to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to walk away and start over. Right. Where I do think we are in a much safer spot right now. We are in a much safer spot. People have to prove ability to repay. And, you know, if we were to ever get into a place where the values of homes was less than, than what you owed, I would highly recommend that you not try to liquidate that property. Exactly. Because eventually, know, rent like it, said, do it something. Will appreciate. Think it will. of all the people that were maybe borderline during the recession and seeing how quickly what their homes would be worth now. Right. It, it would be... It's yeah. like the stock market and similar to that, like you have to hold out. You yeah. have to hang on. You cannot panic just because the stock market starts going down and sell everything. Yes. You can't it's do so it. It's so interesting because your innate response, like just your human response, oh, it's not worth anything. I want to get rid of it and sell guard it. it. Guard it. Yeah. yeah. Hold on to it when it's worth nothing. Yeah. But remember then, though, that real estate puts a roof over somebody's head, even if it's not worth I, what you owe on it. Exactly. Yeah, and it I've always has had value. this debate with my brother a lot. Like we have stocks and I believe in stocks, but yeah. I'm like, but stocks, you know, they could just disappear on a piece of paper they can. where a house is an actual tangible thing. People will always need a place to live. They always Even need a roof over their head. if you have to get a rental and downsize, yep. rent yep. your place out. Yep. Rent your place out, but hang on to that. Hang on to that um, asset because yeah, it always has value as a sanctuary for somebody. Yep. And even if that means, you know, you got to layer, I mean, worst case scenario, like you had to layer in families. Alicia and I had to move in together, oh, you know, and rent oh, out, rent out a property. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> um, rent out a property in order to, to make ends meet. Like, but don't, if that were to ever happen again, and there's a lot of people out there that are, that are conjecturing on that saying, you know, we're going to go upside down again. You know, values of homes could absolutely go down and you have to have a game plan and also know that that home is putting a roof over your head while this is all happening. Okay. So how did you learn how to sell or did you just do it naturally? So right after college, I had no idea what I was going to do. I got a psychology major just because it was an easy thing to do while I was playing soccer. (laughs) (laughs) And this great guy came and approached me and he said, Hey, I just think you'd be amazing at sales. I think you have a special thing. And it was selling flooring. Oh, nice. Yeah. But I had again, no idea. It was a week after I graduated. He didn't know I'd gra- just graduated, but I sold flooring for a local place in town. Right. I learned so much about actual sales techniques, which I thought were so cheesy and lame and I hated all of them. Right. But then I found myself naturally using them. Yeah. Like scripts with cold calling or scripts with any sort of sales. Right. You hear them and they found, sound so fake, but if that's part of your brain, you have that in the storage cabinet, but then you can make it your own and truly make it make your it own. Make it your own. You yeah. You really have to use your own script. Knowing scripts will help you create your own script. Right. Hitting um, the topics, hitting the bullet yes. points, but making it your own. Exactly. Right. And that's when it will feel authentic. Mm-hmm. So I sold flooring for a year and learned so much. I learned a lot and it was during the depths, depths, depths of the recession. So I learned a lot about failures and successes. Yeah. People again. buying crappy carpet yep, back then. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> And then when I moved to Portland, I changed to real estate and been in it since. But that was the thing that real I had a click. This is what I'm supposed to do. Right. I knew it wasn't going to be flooring, but whatever it was, I love being around people. I love being a problem solver for people. They have a problem. I want to fix it. Well, and that's really where I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can do this. Yeah, absolutely. What about you? What was your moment? Well, I think I always had like a need to want to to help people. And, you know, once I understood the financial side of things, I really just wanted to help people get better. And especially like with refinances and just being like, this is like, you know, $300 a month could change your life. And like, if we could take that $300 invested into something else, or like, how could we make your financial situation better? Like, so it kind of really started from a place of passion. I felt like I also had a really, really phenomenal teacher. And, you know, I used to sit across the hallway from her and I listened to every single thing that she said when she 
she would meet with clients, I would listen to her to her sell. And she sold very much from a place of passion and heart and just wanting to help people. Um, she also like, she would never promise somebody something unless she knew for a fact that she could give it. That's one of the hardest lessons I've learned. Yeah. Like just we want a, to, but if we pleaser, don't know. Yeah. Yep. And I've made that mistake once where I thought something was going to happen that didn't happen. And it was such a hard lesson to learn. I'll share this story at another podcast, but I think telling the truth and telling the truth is not just not lying. It's exactly following through with only what you can do yeah, and not saying that you can do more than you can't. You know, I think that that's something that's really helped me too. And I think it's something that I'm known for is that I really do tell people what I really think. Yes. And if I think it's a really bad idea, I will tell them, I cannot get up from this desk from you and not tell you that I think this is a really bad idea for you. And if you don't want to work with me because of that, then that's okay. But I can't sleep at night knowing that you could walk into doing something like this that could really hurt you. And so I just have to tell you that because I care. I've gained my best lifelong customers when I've told them to walk away from a transaction. Absolutely. The way yeah. I'm like, when they really look me in the eye and say, what would you do? Yeah. I'm like, I would walk away. There's just too much work to be done on this. There are times it's I not don't, worth it. there are times I don't wait for them to ask me what I think. Good job. Because <laughs> like we're advisors. Yes. We're and we advisors we're and they're about. counting on us to, to give them trustworthy advice. And if I see something or like, you know, there's some down payment assistance programs out there. I'll just be frank. I hear, here's me being candid again. There's some down payment assistance programs out there that are not good for people. Like just because you get free money, you think doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for you in the long term. And there are recapture tax and there are limitations that limit on how you can use the property going forward or how you can sell it or if you can even get all your equity. And I cannot sleep at night knowing that I've signed up for somebody for something that is going to not benefit them. So I have to, I, I have to say it. I actually like, really do agree. And if they yeah. still decide to go forward after you just giving their piece of advice, then all yep. more power to them. But at least you know you did that. Yep. I've done my best. But you know, something that you should know too about selling is that if you don't ask for the business... Like uh, you're not going to get it. Sales and 101. The, the people, the sales 101, it sounds so corny, but, but it's true. like the people that are asking for the business are the ones that are getting the business. If you think you're just going to look cute and flutter your eyelashes and, and somebody's just going to give it to you, you're not, you're nope. not going to get it. Nope. You're not going to get the business. You're not going to get the yes. You're going to be like, oh, she was cute. I can't believe we didn't just say that at the very beginning. That's right. really is the number one thing you have to say. I want to work with you. I'd I want to work with you. I would love to, I'd be, I'd love this opportunity. Yeah. That's... And you don't have to say it in a corny way. No. Like, like that's the way I say it too. Like we would be completely completely honored to, to work with yes. you. Like we absolutely want to do this for you. I am confident that we would be an excellent fit. And you know, how do you feel about that? How, you know, yes. how can we get best get you started? And whatever is authentic to you, but ask for the business. Yeah. Right. Yep. And be confident in your sale. I actually had a client call me um, the other day and he had talked with somebody on my team and he had a very, very weird situation and it was kind of wonky. And he had talked to one of my licensed loan partners and you know, it really kind of threw her for a loop. And when he got off the phone, she had directed him to go ahead and complete an application so that we could then take a real deep dive into what he had going on. But when he got off the phone, he didn't feel like she had given him confidence that she could get it done. And so I had gotten an email from a realtor, which I only get the privilege to talk to probably about 5% of my clients because, you know, I'm out, I'm out making the phone ring. That's my, that's my highest and best use. And my team is there to make sure that all the clients are taken care of and they never 
never wait. But, you know, the realtor had reached out to me over the weekend and said, hey, he kind of felt frustrated because he didn't feel like, you know, that she was confident in being able to get his deal done. And so I called him first thing in the morning on Monday and I said, hey, kind of walk me through what happened here because that's not a common response that we get. And he said, well, you know, I've been in business a really long time. I've run a lot of businesses. I've done a lot of mortgage transactions. And when I talked to her, I just didn't get the impression that she was confident in being able to do what we wanted to do. And I said, well, your situation is very intense. It's very, it's got a lot of layers to it. And I would tell you the exact same thing that we need to get a full application from you in order to be able to really evaluate your situation because I have coached my team to not express confidence into something that they don't know for sure whether or not they're going to be able to get done. Because if we tell you we can get something done and then we can't, I don't know if you can sue us, but you probably have, you know, like some, <laughs> like, like that's a really bad deal for you to tell somebody that you absolutely can do something, especially when they have a weirdo situation. So, you know, he and I visited a lot and I said, hey, I've created this team in order to make sure that you don't wait. And I'm really happy for the fact that you didn't even wait five minutes to talk to somebody and you were you were talking to somebody, but you threw her through for a loop, full honesty. You had a weird situation and I'm going to be the one that's going to handle you moving forward because your situation is complex and you're also a super savvy business guy and you and I can talk about those things and I wouldn't want to miss those conversations. Um, so you and I are going to work together, but you know, he really was looking for a certain level of confidence and you know, sometimes our clients just need a yeah. different set of hands, yeah. a different set of hands and take care of the best parts of having a team. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like most of the time, you know, when somebody calls into my office, they're very well taken care of because my gals can get them headed down the right direction and they don't need me to be involved. But sometimes there's some situations where it's like they just need, they just need the old dog to come move in and, and um, take care of these special people, which I'm happy to do. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing about I don't, we got we need a new name for salesperson. But need, we need we need <laughs> we a new need name a, for salespeople. We need a new name for salespeople. But thank you for sharing about this. Yeah, I think it's really important to know that we are selling ourselves all the time. We are selling ourselves, but like we're it sounds like that's a horrible thing to say. Um, but we're selling. We're, <laughs> Depends on where you say it. Yeah, I mean we're we're selling because we are passionate about what we have to offer, and we really do have some really great things to offer to, that help improve people's lives. Yes. So you know, turns out every single human out there is in the business of selling in some way or another. And this is how we'd make our world happen. Agreed. Agreed. All right. I'll see you next time. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in next week for another episode of Leading Ladies of Montana Real Estate.